1: You're listening to The Happy Hour with Nick Sainert. I vomited last night. And Enrique Alvarez-Claire. I (laughs) literally vomited. I threw up. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
2: Welcome back into the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, the theticketfm.com, 93.7 The Ticket, uh, Nick, Rico, and now Austin with you guys. Uh, once again, Austin, did you see outside? Did you see outside in our, our little lobby? Yeah, I see Christmas Not trees. Little. Yeah, how about that? It's turn, wonderful. It's, it's after proper, Thanksgiving, it's, so Yeah, they got the ornaments hanging down from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. They look like planets. I would have took... never thought about that. I wouldn't
3: have either.
1: It's incredible. Took self-control to not reach up and touch them. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah, we can't be dunking on the ornaments. Uh, but, no, uh, I wasn't thinking about that, <laughs>
3: and now that's all I'm going to be thinking. So, yeah, we,
2: we, we can't we can't be dunking on the ornaments, but from all of us here at 93.7 The Ticket, we'd like to give a huge shout-out to Charlie Proper Interiors for making our 93.7 The Ticket studio ready for the Christmas season. Nick and Donovan uh, came in, decorated our entire station for help with greenery, trees, lights, ornaments, and more. Don't look anywhere else but to Charlie Proper Interiors online at charlieproper.design. All right, Austin. Let's start with I uh, let's start with Mike Elko and Texas mm-hmm. A&M because there's a lot of news obviously today in terms of coaches and mm-hmm. situations and firings and hirings. Um where if you had to give it a letter grade, where's the Mike Elko hire for you?
1: The hire itself is a b the process itself is a you flunked go repeat yeah, kindergarten. I I <laughs> do agree. Do not pass
3: go, do not collect $200.
1: Yeah. Right. I I agree. So and and here's where
2: I kind of land with it. Mike Elko's a very good coach, right? Mm-hmm. He took mm-hmm. a Duke team that was kind of in the in the in the doldrums, right? Um and went sixteen
1: and nine I believe yep nine and, and four last year yeah. and seven and five with injuries
2: this yeah year. yeah with with their with Riley, Riley Leonard. Leonard with Riley mm-hmm. Leonard being out for extended period of time so you look at that and you kind of you, you hang your hat on that obviously it got him a pretty big I mean that's a heck of a step up I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. honest like that that's a that's a major step up for Mike Elko who the more I've read about behind the scenes is why he handles his business behind the scenes which is a big mm-hmm. deal. Um, at a big time job like this, right? Texas A and M isn't Duke. It's it's not going to be another even like a power another Power Five big name program because you have a lot of people in terms of alumni, boosters, board members that want to know what's going on. Yeah, that want to know <laughs> what's going on. There's a lot of other circumstances and people involved in you being the head coach than in a lot of other places, right? Like <laughs> if you think about it, here Matt Rule has a lot of control, has has if not all control. Every, on terms of says on on a say on on what's allowed, what's not allowed, what, how he runs his pro, how he runs his program, how he doesn't want to do things, how he does want to do stuff, those things matter to a head coach because it can make your job a lot easier, I think, and and a lot of times coaches can be control freaks, mm-hmm. right? But then also at Texas A and M though, that's not the case. That is not the case at all.
1: There were a couple stories that came out about A&M, the Elko hire specifically. When he was at A&M, mm-hmm. everyone that I have read says that the defensive side of the ball under Mike Elko was well run. It was organized. Yeah. Players like to be there. And the offensive side was just kind of whatever. Jimbo's the control freak. He's in yeah. charge his way or the highway. It didn't sound like that was Elko's MO. I, no. I don't want to say it's an underwhelming hire because it's a familiar one. Mm-hmm. It can't be the swing that AM wanted. Even Mark Stoops, yeah. I think, would have been a good hire. And if AM was really confident in it, they wouldn't have, it, again, allowed the perception to be that the fans talked them out mm-hmm. of making that hire and making that offer. But to your point on Nebraska, missing out on a bowl game, I'm sure you guys talked about that. We'll keep talking about it here. If Matt Rule does have this much control, where does that end? Where does that stop? If Nebraska yeah. continues to not go to bowl games, When do more outside voices want more of a say? Because there's a very, 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 very fine line between relying on the resources that you Mm -hmm. have around you to help you be successful, to understand, Mm -hmm. and having too many cooks in the kitchen, people whose job it isn't trying to have a say.
2: It is fascinating. When we talk about resources, and I don't want to try to get off topic here, we're hearing a lot of coaches talk about how they don't have resources, how they don't have enough, Mm -hmm. right? They're asking for more money with NIL. They're asking, Scoops is one of them. I, I, I find it, and I don't have an answer to this. Nobody does right now. I wonder when all that is going to be, we don't care. Do your job. Like, we've, given you, I, because, we've given you this much, figure because, it out. Because yeah. it, you, mm-hmm. if you keep continue to have coaches after coaches after coaches continuing to ask for more, at some point, wells are going to run dry. And, and and if the results on the field aren't up to par or up to standard, the the well is going to run dry even quicker. Is mm-hmm. so I, I find it fascinating because, and I'm 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 sure I I'm not saying that the coaches are just asking for more money for nil funds for for resources whatever the case may be I, because they. Already have enough, and they want more. I, I bet they really do need more. I I bet they really feel like they do need more. Mm-hmm. I I think I think ninety percent of college football fans don't really realize how much they need. I mean, there there is a lot. So, and that's not a knock. That's just we're not all educated to the extent that these guys are living in it on a daily basis. So, when you hear Dion come out and be like, "Hey, yeah, we need more giving," and you hear um, Mark Stoops, and you hear Frankly, Matt Rule uh, last week or two weeks ago say you can't spend m- middle of the road and then w- expect to compete for championships. He meant that obviously about Tony White at the time, but same kind of principle can be talked about when you're talking about NIL and collectives. Like this is why all those need to be buttoned up, organized and inefficient and, and, and productive. Efficient. Yeah. You yeah.
1: Know, they have to bring money in. Yeah. And this is where... I think a lot of the the reason we see coaches make the jump from group of five teams to power five teams is the resources, but we all know that there's some stratification among power five jobs. Yeah. What are the, you know, the career ending jobs? What are the, the destination jobs? We know there's a difference there. And I think it's just a, a natural human tendency to want more to say, I could of do course. more with more. So yeah, that's always going to be there. But I do think too, there there needs to be an element in college sports, especially from administrators, to say, this is what we can realistically do. Yep. We need you to see the big picture here, why we can't give you any more. Mm-hmm. If you are successful with what you have, what we are able to give you, you earn the right bingo. to get more. Yeah, we will bingo. do our best to fundraise and provide more for you, but you have to first prove you can be successful at the level we expect with what we can do right now.
3: Yeah, there's a line between wanting more to do more and not doing enough with what you have. Because there are some teams out there who you'll have, you have a decent amount of funding, you have a decent amount of money, and you're still not competing at the level that maybe your funding is possibly (laughs) allowing you uh, to do. And I guess (laughs) one of my questions is, some of these coaches, again, not all of them, but some of these coaches, is them saying, look, we need more so that we can do this? Maybe a play at, some uh, some bigger schools where it's like hey i've done this with this amount of of funding and whatever Mm -hmm. if you are to reach out to me and we can get this going and we get the ball rolling i go there i have more resources Mm -hmm. you've
2: seen what i can do here here's what i can do with all that the the perfect Mm -hmm. example is texas a&m i mean let's be honest the perfect example is the ones that the program we're talking about where they pay so much money and they, we know, and they were public about it, which is fine. I, I'm all for transparency. I, I would have no <laughs> issue if we knew what every single call 12 player was making. I'd have zero issue with that. Um, now, I, I think also, though, you look at Texas A&M, they were public and and open and, and upfront about, hey, we need this amount because we need to pay the offensive line this this number. We need to pay this group this number. And I'm fine with that, but that opens the door for, okay, they're not producing you know, fifty thousand dollar efforts. Yeah, why why would we give you hundred thousand dollar efforts? <laughs> and so I see where it's a t- it's a tough situation to kind of take part in. Now you look at Nebraska or not Nebraska, but you look at other jobs and, and going back to Mike Elko here, if he's able to do what he did at Duke to a certain extent at AM, that's him as a coach. <laughs> then you add in the upgraded resources, the additional resources, just the larger uh resource pool whether that's assistant salary and the pool there whether that's uh obviously like facilities and the material things now you could talk about elevating a program and, and and this is where i think we all get myself included because my first reaction was man this wasn't the splash hire that frankly texas a&m probably wanted to have i, I really mean, like, like the hire. like sit sit here <laughs> in, in Nebraska, like we wanted a splash hire, and, and and some people may not have thought Matt Rule was a splash hire, but I think the response to it is if he does his job, which Mike Elko has shown to do through his first two years of a head coach, then you don't need the splash hire. Jimbo was the splash hire. You look at the way one before I get your thoughts, Austin. Mm-hmm. You look at the way they both entered College Station. Jimbo entered at this extravagant thing on the tarmac. There were bands, there was cheerleaders, there was everything. Because it's this big national championship winning coach mm-hmm. coming to AM. Mike Elko arrived at two AM this morning. In in a on a dark lit tarmac, no cheerleaders, no no coaches, no players, no nothing. It was just the AD and Mike Elko and his family. And that was it. So it feels like they're kind of taking a different approach this this time around, which is probably for the best.
1: And I would love to know Mike Elko's Thoughts on this? Obviously, he accepted the job. He's happy yeah. to be back. It's a a step up on the surface, absolutely. Mike Elko's a competitor. He told you as much by taking this job because he could have been the next Mark Stoops.
2: Yeah, defensive
1: minded guy out of basketball school, get to a bowl game three or four out of every five years. Hey, you're set for life. This is good. You're enough. not going anywhere. But having been at Texas A and M again I don't think he's you know but hurt by this at all He just got hired to be their head coach so if there are any you know sour grapes he wouldn't have taken the job mm-hmm. but where's his head at like I'm your third public option probably further down the mm-hmm. list than that for calls you made I don't get all this despite the really good work I did before I wouldn't be shocked if Mike Elko you know doesn't you know have it out for the fan base or anything but comes in with a chip on his shoulder, like okay, you guys are kind of writing me off. I'm not the guy you expected or the guy that was tops on your list. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you what I got. I'm the right guy for this job. And I think that's healthy for him to have. And I think that can only be good for AM. Now,
3: would that be more, would his animosity be more towards the decision makers and all of those people in power? Because the fan base you saw when they were going to hire Mark Stoops or allegedly going to hire Mark Stoops, the fan base was not happy about no. it. And then you heard the Mike Elko hire. And I mean, obviously there are some, but for the most part, it looked pretty positive when they were bringing Mike Elko. Again, a guy who's been there before, a guy who they're pretty familiar with. They like the Mike Elko hire. And again, it, like Nick said, like you both said already, it's not the complete opposite, but it is very different from Jimbo Fisher. You get the big name, the national champion uh, head coach. And now you're like, look, we have a guy who's been here, who's, who you know was really solid at the school he was at. We're going to bring him in and he's just going to come here and he's going to do his job. He's not going to be flashy. He's not going to call out Nick Saban for paying players. Nick Saban's not going to call him out for paying players. Imagine if he does, though. It's just going to be him here with a good defense and some five-star players because we're Texas A&M, and that's what we get.
2: Now, another another university that made a hire, Michigan State. Got your boy. It, you Nick, lo- <laughs> Nick
3: loves this hire. We have a group chat. I yeah. sent the I sent the little thing with Jonathan yeah. Smith getting the job, and I go so Nick, how you doing? And uh, <laughs> Nick's
2: feeling some type of way. I I really I really appreciate Jonathan Smith, and this is how I, like I've watched obviously him from afar, uh, and I'm excited that he's in the Big Ten now because I I think what he does fits the Big Ten. I, I think it also fits a, a school like a university like Michigan State for the situation they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and here's why he was hired in 2018, first time head coach for basically next to nothing, a little over a million and a half. That, that's where, and that's not a whole lot for a Power 5 university um, to, to coach at a, at a Power 5 conference, right? Pac-12 was still alive and somewhat well at that point. Oregon mm-hmm. State was not. Ripped to the Pac-12. Um, and so, and that's another thing. From a stability standpoint, you understand why Jonathan Smith would take this job in a heartbeat. He, he was also a, a, <laughs> do it a, myself. an Oregon State alum. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's where he played. He was an his Oregon State alma mater um, so you look at Jonathan Smith, though. He ends up getting an extension, I believe, in 2020. They signed him to an extension. He led Oregon State to the the Beavers' first 10-win season since 06, which is something impressive, right? Who's was, who was Oregon State's coach back then? Shout out to Mike Riley. Mike Riley. <laughs> there it is. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, you look at the some of the... I mean, he was able to attract DJ Uyunglele. He was able to uh, get some, some better transfers and some mm-hmm. really good talent for... That uh, Oregon State Beavers team. Shout out to here's Lindsey. here's why. There's a. I mean, he had two uh, assistants who are finalists for the Broyles Award mm-hmm. throughout his time. Finalists, not just quarterfinal, not just semi, not it just mentioned. Ryan Grubb was snubbed today, by the way. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, but you look at Jonathan Smith now at Michigan State. Why would he go? Obviously, the money, stability for the Big Ten Conference, not having to play in the Mountain West. Um, but Michigan State has also. They needed to find a guy to basically just grind it out and put their head down and work. And that's what Jonathan Smith has had to do his entire time at Oregon State. He figured out a way to make them a top 20 team week in and week out. Mm-hmm. They, he, this is the big part, too. And, and I was talking to a, a friend of the show, Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska, and he's the one who kind of pointed this out. Like He's used to being little brother. And, yep. and Michigan State's going to be little brother. They're, mm-hmm. they're never going to be able to compete against Michigan. You're going to have to figure out a way to stabilize your program going into this real questionable and just different looking Big Ten conference. Now, Jonathan Smith has been used to just putting his head down, working quietly behind the scenes, not being all flashy about it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and for going up against Oregon each year. Now, did he beat Oregon? Did they put up a really good effort? Not really. But he was—he's been shown uh, time and time again to be able to develop players, which is big. Part of that's because of his offense, his, his uh, assistant coaches—the offensive line coach and the tight ends coach—really, really talented. He also has a larger assistant salary pool than Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker had a seven and a half million dollar pool for assistants. That's a lot of money. Now he's gonna—it's not—it's not. It's not I, I haven't read a confirmed amount. A larger pool to basically negotiate with assistants. That, that's a big deal. I mean, that's he's bringing a, most of his assistants that, from Oregon he, State. He is. But that's a really big deal. Um, one of the assistants, by the way, that he's not bringing, Trent Bray, former Nebraska linebackers coach who came from Oregon State, left <laughs> Nebraska, went instantly back to Oregon State, has been there ever since. And that's one of the assistants that uh, he is not bringing. because, And, and one of the guys, because he was the interim head coach when uh-huh. Mike Riley got fired. So that's one of the guys that watch out for that Oregon State job. Yeah, it's rumored for him. Oregon State hired internally. They hired Jonathan Smith, obviously, uh, back in 2018 when Gary Anderson stepped down. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to be maybe a way that Oregon State needs to go again.
1: Speaking of... Former Nebraska coaches. Were y'all watching any of Florida, Florida State? I was. Uh, no, I was not. John Papuchis, yep. former Nebraska defensive coordinator, now okay. the defensive ends and special teams coach of yep. Florida, okay. went from hero to zero through no fault of his own in the span of about 90 seconds of real time, but zero seconds of game time. Oh, no. Ooh. Florida State has a punt from, like, its own 25-yard line, fourth and six. Mm. They dial up a fake. They get 31 yards on it. Mm. Wow. So, well done, John Papuchis, except... Delay a game. The ball was being hiked as the ref blew the whistle, oh, so no. they blow it dead. Snap comes for the neck for the punt. They actually punt it this time. Get about a, a fraction of an inch from being blocked, and the punter yeah. boots it eight rows into the family section for an eighteen-yard oh, punt. Oh no! <laughs> and they, the camera just panned to Papuchas. They're like, "Oh, John." They said, "There You it still is. don't have Bo yelling at you now. <laughs> they, said,
3: they said, "This is the man who dialed both of those up." <laughs>
1: Oh no, that's a, that's a shame.
3: That's rough. Felt a little oh, bad for John Papuchas moment. Yeah, man,
2: that's really too bad. Um, I, tomorrow on the show, i I'll, I'll we'll just go ahead and tease it right now. Uh, tomorrow on the show, I, I definitely want to talk about, um, Nebraska and their quarterback decision that looms.
1: I'm right? so
3: excited for this offseason. and just, just.
1: I have an idea for quarterbacks coach. Just tracking. You do. The, you do. The let let the let, let, let the folks know. Yeah. Again, this isn't going to happen. But, but I'm just going to throw it out into the universe just, just for fun. Let's just say there was a a recently fired Carolina Panthers head coach who wanted to join forces with another recently fired <laughs> Carolina Panthers head coach. You're ridiculous. Both wear red, reside in Lincoln, and coached in Nebraska. There you go. Perfect. I'm just going to let everyone else connect the dots. That's my idea. That's how it's going to be. Um, You're ridiculous.
3: I love it. I am. S-
1: speaking of <laughs> quarterbacks and the transfer portal,
2: Caten Hauser... Hauser. There you go. Mm-hmm. Katen Hauser from Michigan state has entered the portal. Um, I, I want to have this conversation and, and it's a slippery slope because like our, our entire goal is not to come across disrespectful or um, I mean, frankly, like placing blame specifically on quarterbacks. Cause as bad as the quarterback situation was, I, I don't need to be sitting behind the microphone telling you guys like there was a lot more that was wrong <laughs> with it. Right. Um, so I, I think, when you look at Nebraska football, I want to have the conversation tomorrow about what, how, how important and how crucial selecting the right QB is for Matt Rule in year two. Specifically Nebraska-focused. Because, and we can just brief it kind of here, like you can't get the decision wrong two years in a row. Nebraska missed badly in year mm-hmm. one. Okay, okay, it's over. It's in the past. Wipe the slate clean, right? You can move on from that as long as you get it right in year two. Mm-hmm. If Nebraska misses at all in year two with the quarterback position, it's about to get really, really uncomfortable because we saw how, how I mean, frankly, important it is to have a quarterback that you trust, that can take care of the football, has a high IQ. We know all the characteristics. It's going to get real interesting if Nebraska misses on a quarterback. There's going to be plenty of options. They just have to figure out a way to hit on a quarterback in this offseason. They it is
1: to. not Dylan Raiola or Bust 3880. Good it try is, unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. You do also, not like, want to start a freshman quarterback. Like that's
2: the thing. You <laughs> that but part. it's it's not like we also used to look down on transfer portal. Like look at the top 10 teams. 7 or 8 of the teams have an experienced transfer portal guy. Mm-hmm. Michael Penix transfer, Bo Nix transfer. We're out of here. On the block. Stricken Austin coming up next. Join us tomorrow.
3: Adios, Bonex Heisman.